again, and welcome to today's episode of Pulling the Strings Podcast, as always, powered by Puppet. My name is Ben Ford. I am the uh, ecosystem product manager here at Puppet and active in the community as Benford 2K. And today we're talking with Cortez Frazier Jr. He tells me that the junior uh, is a very important part of his name. Do you want to uh, tell us a, a story about that, Cortez? Yeah, so there's honestly a really uh, exciting story about it, which is mostly that I am just extremely competitive. Um, my dad's name, <laughs> that's who I'm named after him. He's Cortez Frazier. I'm Cortez Frazier Jr. And I'm determined to be better than him in all aspects of life. And so if I go by Cortez Frazier, I give him too much credit for my hard work. <laughs> Well, that sounds great. So uh, Cortez Fraser Sr., if you happen to be listening to this, just know that uh, the, we're talking to uh, your kid here, not you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, Cortez has a background in cybersecurity, so it's no surprise that he's leading the relay team here at Puppet, so kind of breaking into some new grounds in that domain. Um, I mean, we'll ask him about that. He'll tell us uh, uh, all kinds of stories, but I'm super excited about it. He joins us from Atlanta, uh, which I personally kind of find pretty cool because it's the site of the world's largest uh, 10K running race. That's down Peachtree, of course. Uh, it's on my list of things I want to go do someday. Last time I was in Atlanta, a friend took me down to a speakeasy kind of hidden down underneath a lo uh, loading dock. Like you had to go down underneath the uh, set of stairs and there was a peephole and you had to like uh, whisper a code word into the peephole to get in. Super weird, but maybe maybe someday you can help me find that uh, that place again when we when we travel and I come do that race, Cortez. <laughs> well, you know what, Ben, I uh, I got no promises on trying to find that particular speakeasy because there's so many of them um, that we have in the Atlanta area. But it, it's a very very popular thing. Um, you know, first and foremost, I'm excited to be on. Um, thank you for inviting me. I really look forward to kind of getting some additional details about, um, you know, both myself and then some of the exciting things we have going on um, in the Relay product. But, you know, before we get too far in the weeds there, um, please, Atlanta is a city and a forest, so we, we expect for you to come visit us anytime. I'm going to look forward to it. I'm super excited. It was It's it's one of the my favorite trips that I've, I've been on. Um, I've only been there a couple of times, but I'm really looking forward to going back. So do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your background? Um, I saw several different things, and I don't think that I'm qualified to even explain what they are. So maybe you could tell us. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I can kind of hop into my background a bit. Um, so kind of going back about uh, four to five years ago, I graduated from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte um, with a MIS, Management Information Systems um, degree. Um, that's uh, all jargon for you know business and IT mixed together, basically. And uh, it was a really, really good experience. It's actually really funny because at that time, I told myself that um, I did not want to work in uh, software development and I did not want to work <laughs> in, in the energy space. And uh, my first job out of college was for software development in the energy space. So um, you see, I didn't I, do a I good job there. I think you asked there. for that, didn't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the universe was like, hey, you know what? Guess what we're going to get you with here? <laughs> no, that's that's exactly what happened. So so that was pure comedy, but it's one of those, you know, hindsight 2020, everything happens for a reason type situation. Um, so I went um, out of college. Um, I was working for a company, G at the time. They're, they're known for like their leadership program. So I did like a, a two-year rotational program, got to do software development, got to do project management, uh, product management, which those things are different. Don't let anyone fool you. And um, it was just a really, really good experience to kind of uh, taste a bunch of different functions and then to kind of just 
decide which one you wanted to go deeper in. Um, because I kind of had that uh, engineering experience of, you know, the product manager who doesn't really know very much about delivering software, but tends to make all the requirements and the timelines, I was determined to, to not be that guy or girl. And so... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely my focus. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go in deeply as I can technically. I mean, that's what kind of led me to a career in um, cybersecurity. And so after doing that initial two years, and then for the next two years, spent time as a um, senior cyber architect, we had, you know, about 1800 developers, 600 plus applications. Um, it is only a team of about three of us. Um, so we had a lot of responsibility with a, a small amount of resources. And that was my very first experience was really learning how to to get a lot more done with with less, frankly. Um, which will be a theme um, you'll see here um, over the course of the podcast. That ratio is just amazing. I can't even comprehend owning 600 applications. I guess if it was a team with three, my, my, my responsibility would be 200 of those, right? <laughs> it's, it's a, a team of three, but one was a manager, so more like 300, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, the, the level of responsibility was insane, but it, it allowed for me to, you know, really think on my feet and get really good at, at trying to influence people, if you will, because there's no way that I'd be able to make any of those changes. It was all about influencing those application owners to, to make them themselves. Right. Well, that's, that's actually a really good, uh, uh, segue into talking about Relay a little bit. Um, because Relay is one of those things that just like lets you magnify what, what you can do as a developer or, or anything. It lets you take your skills and just like automate them across your, your entire infrastructure. So I, I know a little bit about Relay as, as being an a automation service that lets you like glue all of your other things together. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe you could sort of give us a real quick, just a, like an overview so that everybody knows what exactly we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, so if I were to give a thousand foot overview or maybe 10,000 foot overview, if you will, of what a relay is a product um, at a high level, I like to view it as a an event driven automation platform. And really, there's just three components to that. Right. So you have a trigger, which means some form of event has occurred. So that's typically your observability tools. Um, think your your data dogs, your Prometheus, your, your cloud watches of the world who says, hey, I have you know something going on in whatever environment. I'm watching. So you may have a EC2 instance that's not functioning the way that you want it to, and you use that, um, you know, use Datadog's observability layer to um, control and capture all of those alerts. Um, but that's only one side of the puzzle, right? Now that, now that that alert has happened, you want to actually do something with that. You want to perform some action. So you have the trigger, um, and then you have the uh, the steps, as we call them, which are more the action engine um, component of that. And so I've received an alert. Now I want to perform some actions. I may want to communicate that action with people, right? So I want to send a Slack message or an email. Um, I may want to open a JIRA ticket or a ServiceNow incident. Um, I may want to actually, you know, just go perform that action myself, right? So maybe I want to just go restart that uh, EC2 instance in this particular case. And so you have your um, event, right, which um, gives that trigger. You then have your actions, which come from individual steps. And then the last piece is really just the repeat, right? That's the automation um, functionality of that, which is now, can we make this on a automated basis, whether that's a schedule trigger, whether that's a reactive trigger based on the event itself, um, you have that flexibility. And so you react, perform action, and then repeat and continue that loop over and over again. And that would be how I would explain Relay at a 10,000 foot level and how we basically integrate as many APIs as you deal with in your organization we can have access to. That's a really, really cool sort of a toolbox there. It's like almost Lego pieces that lets you put together your own workflow to react or to uh, automate different things. Like I can imagine 
building it as a, a self-healing system that if you get certain kinds of uh, alerts would try to go restart a, a service, maybe restart a database or clear out a mail queue or something and only notify you if that fails. So all of these things just happen and you can care about only the ones that are the most critical and, and you know, stop with the, uh, the pager alerts in the middle of the night. Yeah. Absolutely. No, absolutely right. Because I, I feel like as an organization, we all think about automation in so many different ways. But really, is, is it is it automation if I, as a human being, have to participate in it in some way, shape, or form? Probably not, or at least I don't view it that way, right? And so um, th that's what the power of relay is incredible because if you need to have that, you know, human in the middle interaction, someone who's an approver who needs to make sure that this is a legitimate alert, you can do that, right? Or if you want to just build the criteria yourself, so that way you have full trust in that that you know automation platform, then you also have that flexibility to do that as well. Um, and so that's really where we like the you know to find that power. Um, and then I think the, the the third piece of it that's really incredible is what we found in a lot of organizations, both small and large. There tends to be a lot of consumers of automation, right? Um, ones who get the benefit of the automation, but not a lot of creators, right? Not a lot of people who can go and build it themselves. And Relay allows for this low-code, GUI-like um, creation of the automation to now extend, you know, that ability and functionality to more than just your senior DevOps engineers who who know how to make all the code themselves in PowerShell or something of that nature. That's really cool too. And, and it lets you like swap out pieces. Like if you have a workflow going and you're using one set of tools and you switch to a different vendor, you don't have to switch out your tools entirely. You just swap out the pieces. And that to me is so, so powerful. The, the ability to just like customize at a very, very easy level, like customize to what I need and swap out the things that I, I do that I don't need or, or that, that I might want to change out for something else. Absolutely. It also allows for like from a security perspective for you to obfuscate some of your more uh, sensitive secrets and credentials, right? Maybe you want your users within your environment to be able to perform certain actions on, you know, certain environments and say AWS or, or, or Azure, but you want to actually give them those credentials yourself, right? You don't want to hand over the, the keys to the kingdom, if you will. Well, now you can just build workflows that interact with the uh, objects, the resources within those particular environments without directly giving access to them. Once again, and just extending um, that automation to more users within your environment. I like that a lot. It lets you put guardrails on things. Like you could even interact as a like as a Slack bot or something. Like type in a certain command and it does a certain thing, and and that's all it does. It doesn't let people do arbitrary actions, just the ones that you put uh, put workflows in for. Exactly, exactly. Scope it down to specifically only the actions that you think that they should comfortably be able to do without too much interaction from you, and then save you know your your more senior developers and engineers time um, to spend time you know as I did as a senior cyber architect saying no to the more complicated things. Right on. Now, it, as I'll be honest here, I've, I've, I have a little bit of bias here as, as uh, the ecosystem person here. I'm pushing the, the forge and I, I work with, uh, with content all the time. Um, you said something about uh, uh, creators and, and consumers and about how there's a, a certain number of people who are building content and a much mm -hmm. larger people who are using that content. How do, how do people within an organization share that content around so that they like the, the people who need to use it have access to it? 
Yeah, no, that, that's a really, really great question. Um, and there's a few components that you can do for that, right? So, of course, within the Relay platform itself, we have, you know, role-based access controls. So if you want to give them only a viewer role, per se, so that way they can't change any of the actual workflows, but they can still observe them um, and, and get outputs from them, all right, that, that they can use in their individual instances. Um, then that's, particular, that's one particular way. I would say another way is with the extensibility of um, some of the, like, CMB BD type platforms like a ServiceNow, right? Maybe you want to open a ServiceNow ticket um, within your environment, which is a pretty common use case to uh, update the configuration of a um, EC2 instance I'll go, or S3 bucket. I'll go back to that example. Um, well, now, um, I'm sorry, before where you could input that ticket update, right? Now you have someone who physically needs to go in there, go change whatever they need to change, um, and then give you an update to let you know that they've changed it. Well, that's just now a relay workflow. And so the entry point is is pretty indifferent, right? Whether that's ServiceNow, whether it's a Jira ticket, whether that's a Google Doc that you want to update, right? We're, we're pretty agnostic to the point that you were saying earlier as far as you can insert any tool that you want. Um, and then we, you know, kind of handle that work on the back end. So I'd say the, the, the shortest answer to your question of the best way to share on those actions in my point of my view is to have a entry point that is available throughout your entire organization such as like a cmbd um, but of course they can directly enter the platform themselves with viewer roles um, we also have um, github based uh, controls so that way if you want all of your workflows to only be controlled by source control and they need to submit a pr to your existing um, github environments and they can do that um, so i'd say that those are probably the three most common ways I like that a lot. And then uh, shameless plug here. Uh, if you are a longtime listener, you might remember that back in November, we did a recording with Molly and Milad talking about uh, ServiceNow integrations. So that might be something for you to go back and uh, listen to if you are uh, interested in that uh, integration part there, which means that we have a couple of different ways that we can integrate with, uh, with ServiceNow. Absolutely. We were talking the other day and, and you were, were talking about a, a few new features that, that we've got coming up. Do you think you could Tell us a little bit about those. Absolutely. I'd love to get into it. Um, so, of course, kind of, you know, bringing in my background from a, a cybersecurity perspective, one of the things that were the, the biggest frustrations of mine is how do we ensure that our um, environments are secure and compliant, right? How do we know that they're properly configured? Um, and, and we normally use like a CIS benchmark um, as our metric by which that we measure our environment's health against, right? Follow a lot of those um, controls and then um, compare that against our environment's to ensure. And so from a relay perspective, what we felt is that, you know what, we could actually probably offer our customers a automated solution to fixing this problem, right? Which is, you know, how do you get an inventory, how many um, assets that you have in a particular cloud environment, and then measure that inventory against a particular benchmark, in this case, CIS. And then lastly, and most importantly, actually be able to perform action um, on that inventory. And that's the feature set that we're working on within Relay, um, which is the ability to do scans and remediations for your cloud native um, resources and assets. Um, I'd say there are a lot of, you know, scanner products out there, right? Like a lot of products that will let you know what, what that your S3 bucket has publicly um, accessible environments. However, that information in and of itself is not incredibly useful, at least not to me. What, what's more 
more powerful is knowing, okay, my S3 bucket is misconfigured. Now please go fix that for me. Or, um, and we can kind of get into a little bit more details on the, on, on the second half, some other workflow-based remediations if you aren't comfortable changing the asset itself. So at a high level, one of the most exciting features that we have is what we're calling our cloud compliance module. And it's going to allow for you to evaluate a CIS benchmark against your, um, your, your cloud posture, if you will, and then perform the remediations. I'll tell you what, I mean, as as somebody who has lost far too many hours staring at those stupid uh, ACLs and, and uh, access <laughs> rules and, and whatnot, if all you did is just make me never have to look at AWS uh, uh, access rules again, uh, I would be your biggest fan. Yes. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the beauty, right? It's just finding just, you know, one, one scope down tiny problem that we can just help alleviate and, and give you some additional time back because it is frustrating. It is repetitive and it's just hard to do, right? Like that knowledge of what um, permission should be allocated. How do you actually um, facilitate um, least privilege um, connections within those particular environments, right? All of that information is typically held within maybe three people's heads within your organization, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and then you have to stack them all together, right? Because it's not like any one person knows it. It's like it's like the combination of what one, two, and three uh, all say. Yes, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which, you know, honestly, you know, maybe Ben, if I could get into the problem um, a little bit more here, right? Um, one of the things, so you're either like a large enterprise organization or you're a small to medium size business, right? And, and and whether you're either one of those, you you deal with the same problems. So we're all moving to the cloud. We're all in, you know living in this environment where we're like, ah, we, we kind of know what we're doing, but not really, right? Like we're all kind of figuring out this thing together. And um and and on the large enterprise side, um, you know, and I and I can speak to this diligently because that's what I was working in previously. It is incredibly frustrating when, you know, so that example, I had 600 applications that I owned, but I didn't have any access to any of them, not a single one of the 600, right? And so I am, as a security function, responsible for creating the policies by which that our applications must cohere to. However, I cannot force them to cohere to them, and nor can I actually evaluate the environments themselves. Got to go open a ServiceNow ticket to that resource owner, and then they got to go in and fix the thing, and then they got to let me know that they fixed the thing, and then I can go, you know, run another scan or, or do some research to, to figure out if they've actually fixed the thing. It's a lot of layers of bureaucracy to deal with there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, which will be much preferred, which we can offer in our solution is, yeah, okay, now you're able to provision a relay application that has now like a security auditor role within your environment, can run those scans, give you those results back. And then, you know, of course, assuming you give the proper permissions, you can actually then go fix it, right? Like it, myself being a person of three uh, engineers for 600 applications would have had a nightmare of a time trying to update all six of um, 600 of them, whereas I can do it with a pushable button um, with this cloud compliance module. Enforce a policy. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then, of, of course, what what is a even further extension of that is, you know, in the, in the interest of transparency, some organizations may not feel comfortable with you performing um, resource changes in their environment, right? And so that's where the power of the underlying workflow engine that this compliance module is built on top on is because if you're not comfortable with Relay having the, the, the ability to actually uh, perform action on that environment, you know, that's great. We will facilitate the process of opening that uh, ServiceNow ticket for you. We will listen for when that ServiceNow ticket has now been updated, right? So that way we can then email the resource owner to let them know that action's been taken on their environment. And so whether you, you're comfortable 
people perform that action or you just want us to help facilitate the process for performing that action, we have you covered either way. Right. And, and you mentioned earlier that you could put a like a human inter- intervention step in there. So it could entirely be audited by the resource owner who, who then approves the action before it happens. Exactly. 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 And that was that that flexibility that we really wanted, because ultimately, and I'm still like a passionate believer that the remediation is the most powerful piece, right? Being able to click a button and have that asset updated is, is going to continue to remain what, what I feel is a significant dif- differentiator. However, it's going to take time, I would say, for especially on the large larger enterprise side um, for that comfortability and that trust to be built up. Um, now we're, re, we're, we're able to benefit, you know, that second half of the equation. If you're a, you know, more small to medium-sized business, maybe you only have a, a IT or operations team of, you know, five to 10, right? In comparison to the potential hundreds of some of these large enterprises, well, you probably feel very, very comfortable um, allowing for Relay to take ownership and actually perform those remediations for you, right? And so once again, the work of, you know, 10 people can be done with one. Yeah, I, I, I am quite familiar with that uh, hesitance there. I actually, as pro services back in the day, I used to have a, a whole bunch of financial uh, clients that would run Puppet in like like no want mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would just like, it wouldn't do anything. It would just like shout about the things it, it would do. And they would go manually do other remediation changes wow. until uh, Puppet didn't complain anymore. And that's exactly kind of like, one of the things that uh, the uh, people might end up doing with something like this when they're getting used to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would Relay tell me to do? Okay, I can go do that. Look, hey, it's fixed. It's not telling me that, that that's a problem anymore. Exactly. No, no, exactly. And then there's also that that second level, which is, you know, sometimes you may be comfortable with the state of a particular asset, right? So maybe for your particular use case, you want to allow an S3 bucket to be publicly accessible. Um, now, from a cybersecurity pr- mm-hmm. uh, perspective, that terrifies me, right? I would never want that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any organization does. But <laughs> In all the time that I have ever worked with S3 buckets, there has been precisely one use case where I came up with that, that it actually made sense. And it still terrified me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it, 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 it is rough, but you know, in this hypothetical organization, maybe that's something you want. So you probably want to mark that uh, asset as exempt, right? You want to give it that ability to say, you know what, I know that this is in violation of a particular CIS rule. I'm comfortable. I accept this risk. Let me mark this as exempt. And more importantly, maybe, maybe mark it as exempt for a certain amount of time, right? Because you don't want it to just be indefinitely exempt, right? You maybe only want that for six months or a year to come back and revisit. So I, I really love the fact that the module is going to have that that flexibility, right, between direct remediations, when I'm considering these more workflow-based remediations, and then just general uh, posture management, right, that general updates of the the exemptions. One thing that I'm a little bit curious about here, and and this is, I'll I'll fully admit, this is is my own ignorance in in, uh, the state of uh, security and and, uh, compliance here. Mm -hmm. Um, Last time I really looked at benchmarks at at, uh, in-depth level, it was very much designed for kind of like on-prem it felt like yep it, it was like you know permissions of your shadow file and things like that so i'm kind of curious to know what uh compliance means when we're talking about cloud resources and what kind of rules we're looking at 
No, it, it, it's a great question, Ben. Um, and so I would say that compliance on the cloud resource side is mostly on configuration, right? So when you go to uh, deploy a particular cloud resource, whether that's in um, a GUI, right, like a console or a portal, or whether that's via um, infrastructure as code, a cloud formation template, a, a Bison templated, um, you know, something of that nature on the Azure side, uh, then you go through a thousand different options, right? Do you want it to be publicly accessible? Do you want to allow HTTP um, connections or do they all have to be secured via HTTPS? Do you need certain versions of TLS ran from a, an encryption standpoint? So those are the type of things that the CIS benchmarks are looking for. Um, of course, on like the IAM permission side, that's where a lot of the, the rules and controls come from, which is ensuring that you know they only have least privilege, that you your root users have multi-factor authentication enabled. Um, so those are the type of things that we're looking for on the CIS side. Um, where it becomes tricky and where Relay has a really, really interesting play here is because not all rules within a CRS benchmark can be automated, right? Like not every mm-hmm. um, cloud resource has an API that we can easily interact with. And so where we can play because we're a workflow-based rules engine, right, is that we can do more custom remediations um, and, you know, actually maybe go scrape a GUI for that information, for example, rather than only relying on the API. So that gives us a little bit more extensibility um, outside of that. So, but, but those really, the, the configuration side of it is really where you'll see most of the, um, the CIS benchmarks play um, and, and really just trying to lock down um, your resources so that way they don't get uh, unintended access, outdated access, things of that nature. Does that make sense? Absolutely does. And it, it, it kind of seems to me like a lot of uh, like security and compliance is, is also kind of around process, uh, which it, itself, you can't do a, an API on, on like whether you require code review and things like that. Um, could you talk a little bit about how like Relay helps um, improve human processes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so one of the things that we observed as we were, you know, really just kind of working on the core Relay workflow experience and and trying to decide, all right, what, which of these more scoped down experiences really make sense for us? And, and one of the immediate realizations that we were able to take away from that is that when you're in like a compliance um, function or compliance environment, people in process really are um, the biggest barriers. And and I'll take a, a step back and set the stage a little bit here. So like an average um, organization, you have a few different functions. You have like a governance function who is going to, you know, set the compliance rules by which that that organization must confer to. You then have internal auditors. You got external auditors. You have what I call like a CIO type organization. So um, that's like infrastructure, your application developers, all that roll up into some type of CIS organization. And then you have like a CISO, like a you know, chief information security officer organization, which has all your security rules, which can be similar, but a lot of times are very different than your compliance rules, but have a lot of overlap. And so between those four rough functions, all four of them have to communicate, right? The governance and the CISO organization sets the rules and regulations. The external auditors and the internal auditors enforce those rules and regulations. The CIO organization has to adhere to the rules and regulations um, performed by the governance and the CISO side. So as you can see, it becomes this incredibly complex matrix, if you will, of I need some information from these people and in order for them to do their job, they need some information from me, right? And this constant back and forth. And so I say all that to say that that is where Relay comes into play because we have such deep integrations with the ServiceNow, the JIRAs, the Slack, the email communications, right? We can really orchestrate and 
to take it even a step further because we have the reactiveness of being an event-driven action engine we can listen for updates to those particular systems and then um you know pass that information along right so if you open up a service now uh ticket you then update it with i've i've perform some configuration changes to this S3 bucket. How do I know that that work is done? Well, Relay Workflow is going to listen for it to let you know that that work is done and then update you know, me um, on the security side and let me know um, so I can go and validate it. So you really have that, that workflow-based remediation flow to um, orchestrate this incredibly complicated you know, people process barrier that we have to find our way around. That's a really, really cool description. And, and- I remember ages ago somebody somebody taught me uh, something about DevOps and it, like his, his thing was that DevOps isn't like processes and tools and like all of these things. It's mostly everybody speaking the same language so that you can communicate. Yep. Uh, and this to me, it sounds like you're, you're saying that it's like taking that almost to the next step where it's like this helps everybody speak the same same language, but it also like fits in the middle as sort of like like a like a Google Translate almost, so that you can speak the same language, but you also can like like there's there's that same overlap in between, but but you don't have to be fully uh, uh, engrossed in, in like GitOps workflow or or whatnot uh, to get your message across. Absolutely, absolutely, and what it also does too is it kind of obfuscates some of those layers that aren't important, right? Like if you're a developer in a particular organization and you own a you know a AWS account, right? You're responsible for making sure that all of those services adhere to a certain compliance standard. You know, do you really want to go digging through your governance organization's mm-hmm. you know I don't know a thousand oh, page yeah. policy, exactly. right? <laughs> of like. <laughs> <laughs> of requirements. No. I I know because I wrote them and it was a pain, right? Like it was and 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 honestly a lot of times they're even hard to even match. And then when someone goes and updates that, you know, policy, which is probably an Excel sheet on someone's confluence page, right? Somewhere in the organization, how do you even yep. know that that's update, then go and perform that action um yourself, right? And so that's where really, really kind of comes into the play and says, you know what, we, we got the benchmarks already loaded in for you. We'll let you know what's in violation and what's compliant. And then if you're comfortable, we'll go ahead and fix it for you as well. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like the communications backplane. It just makes everything so much easier. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm a little bit curious here, and, and, and uh, maybe I'm jumping the gun uh, a little bit, but do we have anybody uh, like internal or external like uh, trying out this uh, uh, cloud compliance features? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, so we actually do have a small subset of design partners, right? A lot of them are, are early um, Relay customers, I would say, right? So think of like the the Bricks and IGSs of the world. Um, what's actually been really, really interesting is we've been able to use it as a opportunity um, for some of our newer prospects as well. Um, so we have, you know, line of sight with some of our customers like AXA and, and, and Tricent who, you know, saw even just the early alpha version of the compliance experience and was like, wow, I need this, right? Like, this is going to save me a ton of time, a ton of energy and a ton of effort. And so those are some of the people that are participating in kind of our early design stage. Um, However, we're, you know, alluding, and maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves here, but we are looking to open it up for anyone who wants to publicly participate um, at the end of March. 
Um, so that's going to be publicly available. Um, all you have to do is sign into the application and start using it. And, you know, we want you to use it to its heart content. And, you know, of course, you know, don't don't be too aggressive, but we want you to break it. We want you to, you know, let us know where all the, where all the <laughs> problems lie and, and, and the areas that we can improve. Um, but uh, but more importantly, to get that feedback, because, you know, as, as I'm sure um, you can see, Ben, um, with the way that that puppet is kind of making a cultural shift here. Right. It's all about that, that rapidly testing and validating um, our concepts and ensuring that this is really the value um, that we can provide to our prospects. We have a lot of, you know, conviction, if you will, and an early customer sentiment has been very, very in line with this is a massive problem that we need um, help solving it. Um, but we want to continue to validate that with that public alpha um, at the end of March. That's pretty cool. So um, do people have to do anything when they sign in? Like, is there a, like, accept uh, alpha features or anything or are they just available in their mark uh in the ui no absolutely so so today um so if you sign into relay today and you like to have access to the compliance alpha you would request access so we have it a bit um walled garden it sends a message to me so i'm, I'm not you know too fancy you know maybe send me some bourbon or something like that and i'll, I'll give you access um <laughs> no jk jk i'm just playing <laughs> but um but no but seriously you, you request access for it today um however um the moment that we've turned that live in the end of, of March, anyone who signs up for a Relay account will immediately have access to that functionality while we're in the alpha stages. Of course, you know, in a few mo um, months, right, after we've come, kind of completed that alpha experience, um, we can have uh, deeper conversations around, you know, what the pricing would look like and, and, and you know, all of those details. However, anyone who participates in our alpha, um, I, I can assure you is going to be very, very happy um, with uh, the uh, the discounts, if you will, um, for what that uh, final product would look like. So it is something that we're actively, you know, looking for participants for um, if anyone is interested. And um, to, to answer that last piece of the question, the best part about it is, especially because we're really only focused on cloud native services, is you can, you know, within five minutes, sign up for a Relay account, input your, um, you know, credentials within the uh, Azure connection and be scanning and remediating assets, um, you know, within minutes, right? Within under five minutes, I've done it myself personally. And so th that that's kind of something that we think is incredibly powerful. And for the the sake of completeness, we are very Azure focused for this first go round. And um, we do have scans and remediations built out for AWS as well. Um, but of course, we have to complete, you know, one, one benchmark at a time, right? You got to walk before you crawl. And so that Azure CIS level one program profile is, is our target for um, completion um, for, for GA. Well, that's exciting. So that means all you dear listeners, uh, by the time you hear this, you might be able to just go click some buttons and, and start using this and try it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just try it out, get some value, make a connection, right? You know, I'd, I'd love to see the, you know, thousands of remediations um, kind of come through and, 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 and more importantly, get yourself some time back, right? Like that, that's really what this, this play is most importantly about is how do we give, you know, our DevOps and uh, technical engineers more time for them to work on, frankly, more important problems than uh, is your S3 bucket properly configured? <laughs> it, that's important, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it is, it is absolutely <laughs> totally important. It was way too late in my career before I realized that I should be carving out my own time and, and like hold some, some boundaries there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a seems like a really good space to uh, to sort of close up on. It it's like I see this as like this huge space with like so much room to grow and so many things that that you can do with, um, and relay being right there to just like help you build the things that you need uh, in order to grow into this space. So 
I, I was just going to close here with, with a, a thing that I saw um, on your LinkedIn feed. Uh, one of your recent blog posts had a tagline t- towards the end. It was something like, let me help your way to your next vacation. Let me help automate your way to your next vacation or something like that. Could you kind of like close up and talk a little bit about what that means to you? I absolutely can. I um, mean, this is something that means the most to me, right? Like, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I keep alluding to the fact that I was on a team of three, 600 applications, 1,800 engineers, right? So there was not very many vacations being had, um, that I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so really, uh, really what we're talking about here is when I say like, let me help you automate your way to your next vacation is that the event-driven and reactive nature of Relay as itself, right? Whether that's the workflow experience or even the compliance experience, it ultimately is looking to give you your time back. And what you choose to do at that time is completely up to you. If you want to go make the next greatest product for your company, that's fantastic. If you want to go hang out on a beach, um, that that would be my preference for you, right? That's even better. <laughs> um, and, and, and most importantly... With, with a nice bourbon, of course. It, it, with a nice bourbon, of course, yes. And an umbrella. Like you got to have the umbrella in there, right? Um, or, or, or it's not a vacation. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but yes. But it, it allows for you to, you know, go to the, the the beach, for instance, right, and know that you don't have to worry that if your environment has an issue, it's gonna it's gonna self heal because you have a relay workflow for that, right? If you need to redeploy um, into your environments and and you're the only one who knows the deployment process, well, you don't. Your organization you're, you're never on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they, they don't have to worry anymore, right? Because you know now you can orchestrate that process for a relay workflow it just kicks off a relay workflow that's not just stored in your head anymore and and now you're the first person on call um and then the the compliance piece is even more worrying right because compliance problems you never have to worry about until it's too late right until you've already had a breach until you're already being sued and so rather than wait for that to happen you now have these compliance scans that are being run on an automatic basis and if you desire even being remediated on an automatic basis kind of lets you get ahead and 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 like know that things are happening on a schedule. It's like one of the things that, that I always had a hard time with vacation was like knowing that on the third week of, uh, I don't know, August, I was going to be able to to say, hey, I'm not going to be in work yep. uh, mode for an entire week and be able to like know and trust and, and, and have that schedule uh, in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that trust piece is important, right? And, and frankly, Ben, that's where we lean on the fact that, you know, we as Puppet have been operating configuration management for, you know, well over a decade, right? Like this is our area of expertise and, 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 and compliance is a natural extension of that as well. And so because we do have the expertise in that space, you know, outsource that trust to us, right? Let us, you know, let Relay take care of it, let Puppet take care of it, um, and then, you know, spend more of your precious time on the things that are most valuable to you. I love it. Well, if people have feedback or ideas, it sounds like uh, signing up and uh, letting you know is the way to do that. Um, Relay.sh is uh, the website where uh, you find out more information about Relay, where you sign up and everything. But are there other ways that uh, you'd like to, to people to contact you? Do you have uh, feedback forms or do you, do you participate in the Puppet Slack or anything? Absolutely. Um, so um, I do participate in the Puppet Slack channel. And we also have a Relay community Slack channel as well um, that you can participate in. And so we're active in, in all of those. Our, our CTO Deepak even participates in there. So, you know, hop in there in the Slack <laughs> and, and have a great uh, conversation with him. He's a hoot for sure. So you, you'll absolutely love it. Um, but we, we really try to pride ourselves on being as reactive as possible 
possible. So whether that's in the um, Puppet or Relay community Slack, whether that's directly within the application itself, um, or feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm very active on all three of those uh, areas and, and we will be sure to respond to you. And we really just want to hear your feedback, right? Like I continue to emphasize that that is what we want the most is, you know, how does this work for you? How how much value do you think that you can get from it? And maybe there's just some other areas that you, you, you feel pain in and that you'd prefer to get value. Well, right on. That is very exciting. Let's go ahead and close up right there. Call it a wrap for today. Once again, thanks uh, uh, for being here, Cortez. Thanks for being on the uh, Pulling the Strings podcast. And everybody, thank you so much for lending us your ears for this, uh, this time. 